with a good analysis, you can make a very good estimation. You can you can create projections and see what the future looks like with some level of certainty, rather than just guessing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Connecting ALS. I am Jeremy Holden, your host. We mentioned last week that Mike Stevenson, the co-host and creator of Connecting ALS, has moved on, but we will continue to bring you stories from the fight lines of the fight against ALS and look forward in the coming weeks and months to introduce you to some new voices. As some of you may have seen, uh, the ALS Association announced earlier this week that it would be working to make ALS a livable disease by 2030. There's a lot to unpack there, and we will be bringing you some deep dives into how that's going to look in the coming weeks. But this week, we're turning our attention to finances. Monday was tax day, the final day to turn in your taxes for 2020. What better time to take a look at the financial impact that ALS has on families? Before that, we turn to Brian Chappell, a wealth manager at UBS with a personal connection to the disease to get his take on how families can navigate an ALS diagnosis. I'm joined on the phone today by Brian Chappell, a wealth advisor and portfolio manager at UBS. Brian, thanks so much for your time today. You're welcome. It's great to be here, Jeremy. We're going to get to some issues around some of the financial challenges that people face after an ALS diagnosis, and you're the perfect person to have on this. But why don't you introduce yourself to listeners and, and talk to us a little bit about your connection to the disease and how you got involved in the ALS community? Sure. Um, uh, you know, uh, Brian Chapel. I'm in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. I am a wealth advisor, which, uh, you know, people in my role come in many titles, but, um, uh, you know, we're helping people uh, do the financial and other types of planning to manage their financial affairs. And I have a connection to this disease because my mother uh, lost her battle to ALS in 2004. And uh, I was a, a primary caregiver of hers, especially uh, during the latter stages. And so I know all too well about uh, dealing with this as a caregiver, as a family member from that side of it, uh, plus in uh, you know, helping other clients uh, deal with uh, some of their healthcare challenges. Thanks for sharing that. And, uh, you know, I know you've done a lot of work uh, with the association with some chapters, just putting on some webinars and other types of educational materials to help people grapple with some of these questions. Before we get into those, and I, and I should say, I look forward to a day where we don't start every conversation this way, but, you know, the COVID pandemic has upended so many aspects of life and, and certainly, uh, you know, kind of Financial planning is a big part of that. Uh, what changes did you see or what kind of questions about what should I be doing now uh, did you have to grapple with over the past 12 months in the, during the pandemic? Like you, I think we'll all enjoy a time where we don't have to start the conversation with disclaimers about COVID. Yes, there, we definitely saw some, some differences, some challenges. It's really interesting in 2020 with the COVID lockdowns for healthcare reasons and, and obviously spread to economic reason, uh, economic um, outcomes, certain people thrived and others really struggled. And a lot of it was due to the type of, of work maybe that they did. Certain, a lot of professionals who could work remotely did and maybe even did really well. I had a number of clients who saw their situations improved. Uh, others who did not have that availability based on the type of their career uh, may have struggled and mightily. 
And uh, so they were suddenly faced with a very sudden change in their financial uh, picture. I go back to the need for planning really is best done when you're not in a crisis. And so hopefully people have, have done some level of it, uh, maybe a comprehensive plan well ahead of any type of healthcare or economic crisis. If they haven't, it's not too late. You certainly can uh, do it, say, after a diagnosis with ALS or something else, but uh, hoping that people have done it, done it sooner rather than later. But there were certain you know, challenges because economically, just because you know, the work life may have changed drastically for you know, one or more members in a household, and uh, there was stimulus later that could have helped with that, but certainly changed the nature for people. You mentioned planning before the crisis happens, uh, certainly good advice. And as you said, uh, some of these shocks can't be anticipated, and certainly uh, an ALS diagnosis falls into that category. In addition to the physical devastation, the emotional devastation, uh, ALS can be a very financially devastating uh, diagnosis. How do you plan for something like that? Well, it's really, it's really difficult. You know, people with, with a large amount of means, um, it certainly is, is more tolerable and can be handled. But for people that do not have uh, a lot of excess wealth or means, it can be a real challenge. You know, it really starts with going back to some of the basics of understanding cash flow. And, and I've done a national recording for the ALS Association in 2019, and I, and I really focused on that because... If you understand your cash flow, which is your income, less your expenses, you know, a, a lot of options open up to you and uh, hoping that it's positive, meaning your income is higher than your expenses, uh, that can give you some flexibility. But it starts there, understanding your asset allocation, knowing how much you have in cash, how much you have in, you know, lower risk type of investments and uh, maybe, you know, higher risk type of investments and understanding where that is. And understanding that that may need to be adjusted, because if you face a period where you may have larger than expected expenses, you may need to draw on some of those assets that you were planning to save for a very long term, but suddenly you may need to access some of those shorter term. So it starts, I think, with an assessment of where you are from an income, where you are from an asset allocation point, and then also looking at your benefits such as uh, your health insurance and what the coverage is within your health insurance, whether or not you have long-term care, which is uh, insurance that helps provide for other things such as you know care for things when you can't provide your activities of daily living, such as dressing oneself or bathing or eating. You know there are um, uh, other types of you know insurance as disability. If if someone is not able to work, then that can uh, you know. Uh, help replace income. So it really is time if you were to get diagnosed with ALS or recently diagnosed, you want to kind of circle the wagons financially. I will strongly recommend that people work with someone like myself, a, a professional advisor who is accustomed to dealing with these very complex issues. There are a lot of moving parts and you want to make sure that um, you have a very good understanding of the entire situation and understand, you know, what your options are. There are a lot of very sudden changes that occur when someone is diagnosed with a, a healthcare condition like ALS. And you're right, it does, it does end up costing people 
a decent amount, hoping that people, you know, have coverages for different types of insurances. And that's why you have insurances to, is to offshore some or all of that risk to another entity. But, um, you know, there will always be unexpected expenses that come along. And uh, that's where a lot of the ALS chapters do great, great work with patient care services and maybe equipment loaning or grants for equipment, you know, and there may be other, you know, local resources that are not related to ALS that may also assist. But, you know, it's really, really critical to take an assessment of where you are. And let me stress this again, if you're working with a professional advisor, bring them into it as early as possible and tell them what you're dealing with and ask them to go through and do a very thorough, comprehensive review of your entire situation. If you're not working with someone currently, it's probably a very good time to start. And you're gonna be facing a lot of very challenging and difficult areas that are gonna impact your financial life, uh, including the planning, the use of assets, and you'll also want help revisiting your estate planning through an attorney, but someone like myself can also help, you know, with the high level parts of that. So it's, it's critical to work with someone with that experience that can help you navigate that process. Yeah, there are some great resources out there to help folks uh, kind of navigate this, and, and we can share some of those in the show notes. Uh, Brian, you mentioned uh, health insurance as one of those expenditures uh, or, or health care uh, and, and changes to the insurance. What does that look like? What, how does, you know, how does health insurance or who's providing that insurance, does it necessarily change? Is it something that you have to think through? Here's my current insurer. What does that look like forward? How do you navigate the insurance system as you go through the ALS journey? For health insurance, um, for a lot of people, it's employer-based. And so if the person with ALS uh, is employed and the one who has the main health care benefits, then it's you know, really a situation of whether they're going to be able to maintain employment and for how long and when and if they cannot maintain employment, then what are the other options as far as coverage goes? With a diagnosis of ALS, uh, it's with the um, uh, social security system, it's coordinated to be eligible for Medicare, but you'll want to, you know, you'll want help navigating that process and that, uh, that conversion if that occurs. If it's, you know, the spouse of a person with ALS and they're able to continue working, you may be able to continue that same coverage. But then again, some spouses end up becoming caregivers and may or may not be able to maintain that same employment. I really wish that so much of our healthcare system wasn't tied through employers but it is. And uh, so if someone is working and has it through their employer, they'll, they'll want to consider those options very carefully. But luckily, Medicare uh, will kick in and, uh, once they're eligible. And the ALS Association has done a lot of wonderful work to help speed up that process. We had a, a recent advancement. I don't remember the date, but within the last year or so that really helps speed that process to become eligible and get on the uh, Medicare system. Yeah, and a uh, big change uh, just in recent months in terms of access to Social Security disability benefits, which you had mentioned. So, um, yeah, a lot of great work being done to kind of enhance and expand access to to those benefits that are available. We, we've had the opportunity here on Connecting ALS to talk to several young caregivers uh, who maybe put their lives on hold so that they can care for a parent with ALS. 
you know, when that happens, are there ways to catch up if your career ends up starting a little bit later than your peers? There really are. And it is unfortunate that some caregivers have to put their careers on pause uh, and, and other things uh, socially in life. I mean, I've, I've been a caregiver and it's hard. I tell people to this day, I, I remember, well, what I remember was being just stretched too thin and trying to have my career, grow my career. I had a young family of my own starting out with children and then also caring for my mother. And my life was a blur. There were days that just ran together because I was so tired and running so hard. I'm not sure if I really slept at night or if I just passed out <laughs> uh, yeah. when going to bed. But it, it can be so stressful that it does require someone to put their career on hold. And then at some point, they're able to restart in some fashion. And yeah, there are ways to catch up. Uh, you certainly would want to consider maxing out a workplace retirement plan. A lot of people start in their younger years doing a smaller amount, uh, maybe starting at you know three, four, five percent. Uh, a lot of employers now auto enroll at some of those levels into their corporate retirement plan. I would strongly recommend that they jump way ahead of that and go to probably 10 plus percent, maybe even try to max it, max out the retirement plan if you're trying to catch up. Because ultimately, we're all going to need a good bit of retirement savings once we get to a point to where we can retire. And it takes a long time to grow those assets. And if you're starting later, you need to contribute more to be able to catch up. So maxing out workplace plans are, are great. They're, they offer great tax benefits and you know, usually a very low cost options. Contributing to IRAs, if one can do that, uh, that would also be a big help. Saving after tax, I always recommend people save in a combination of through qualified plans, which are employer plans and IRAs, but also after tax. And the reason for that is later in life, there probably will be periods you will want to access some funds. And without the restrictions that workplace plans and IRAs have on distributions. And so having money in an after-tax, just a regular investment account, gives you that access later in life without certain penalties and or possibly taxes. But, you know, to do, to do that well, meaning to, to really figure out how to catch up, I'm going to go back to my prior points of working with someone, and not to make this a commercial for my industry, but we have the tools, we have the experience, we have the resources to help someone figure out how much. A lot of people ask me, how much do I need to save? How much do I need to put into this or that? And with a good analysis, you can make a very good estimation. You can, you can create projections and see what the future looks like with some level of certainty rather than just guessing. And uh, I'd rather people have some type of certainty like that rather than just guessing. Good advice, as we expected, and a very inspiring story about your time as a caregiver. And I'm sure that many listeners can uh, relate to the caregiver burnout aspect, and we will be certain to share some resources as well in the show notes about how to manage caregiver uh, burnout and caregiver stress. Well, what I would like to recommend everyone do is review 
some resources that the ALS Association provides. I've looked over these. I've gone through them with people. They're excellent, excellent resources. And these are the Living with ALS Guides. There are a numbered series of, of guides called Living with ALS. The two that focus mostly on the financial aspects are guides number four and five. I strongly recommend these to, to everyone just so you know what, what you're dealing with. They are very well written. They're very comprehensive. And I recommend these to, to everyone I run into uh, with ALS because they cover a lot of the areas and they're written specifically for our community. And we will be sure to provide those resources for those listening at home. Brian, thanks again for your time today. My pleasure. It's great to be here. Well, thank you again to Brian Chapel at UBS for spending some time with us today to talk through the finances of an ALS diagnosis. As we mentioned several times, there will be links to some of the resources discussed in this episode in the show notes. Quick housekeeping note, Monday, May 24th is the deadline to apply for the Jane Kalma's ALS Scholarship Fund. So if you know someone whose life has been impacted by ALS and who is looking to pursue further education, make sure you let them know that the deadline is approaching. You can learn more at als.org. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Please find time to rate or review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. This episode was produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the ALS Association's Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter. Thanks for tuning in. We'll connect with you again soon. Thank you.